So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Say another helper. Very good. That he would be with you forever. That's a long time. That is the spirit of truth or the spirit of reality. Whom the world cannot receive because they do not see him or know him. But you, every person that has Jesus in their heart, you know him. Did you hear that? You know him. Why? Because he abides with you and he lives in you. Isn't that amazing? I can't get over that fact that the third member of the Trinity, God in the Spirit, Holy Spirit, has chosen to live in me. We, I'm sure none of us are totally aware of the enormity of the fact that Holy Spirit lives inside us. Last week we talked about the twofold blessing that when you get born again, Holy Spirit comes inside you and he renews your spirit that was dead to God and he makes it alive to God. The moment you get born again, you get a brand new spanking spirit. It's made alive. The old nature is booted out and the new nature has come. You have a new spirit that is fully functional with all the options, power mirrors, heated seats. It's got the whole works. And your spirit is totally, the moment you're born again, fully functional and able to commune with Holy Spirit. You don't need an upgrade. You don't get a, a half, you know, a poverty pack as we call it in the car industry. You get a fully optioned spirit. Every single person, whoever is joining to the Lord is one spirit. You have the same reborn spirit that I have, that Dean has. Same spirit. And that spirit is made alive. And then the Holy Spirit then comes and says, now I can live in you. He, he rebirths our spirit. And then he comes and lives in our spirit. Amen. What an amazing thought. Say with me, Holy Spirit, Holy spirit lives, lives inside of me. If you said that every morning when you got up, you'd have a great day. Just the awareness that Holy Spirit lives in me. And it says in verse 16, And he will give you another helper, that he would abide with you forever. That word another means one exactly like the first one. That's what it means. He says, I will give you another Exactly like the first one. Who is the first one? So that if you have another, you've got to have a first one. And that first one is obviously Jesus. We had a first helper here on earth 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus. What an amazing helper he was. If you had a problem, he was the answer. If you had a withered arm and you came to Jesus, he would lay hands and the arm would pop out. That's pretty cool. If you had brokenness in your heart, you're demon-possessed like Mary Magdalene. All sorts of trauma. You could come to Jesus and he would speak a word of deliverance that would totally transform your life. What an amazing thought. The most troubled person could find help in Jesus of Nazareth. He would never cast anyone away. He'd never say, no, no, no. The woman caught in adultery. She'd been sleeping around with every man. Everybody knew it. But Jesus saw something different in her. He saw a future and a hope. He saw what God had created her to be. And he spoke a word that totally changed her life. He was a helper. Don't you believe that? But Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper. Jesus was the helper in the flesh 
on earth. But he says, now I'm going to send you another helper. And that helper, his name is who? The Holy Spirit. And he would be a helper in the spirit as Jesus was a helper in the flesh. Did you hear that? Another helper of the same kind, but of a different composition. Jesus helped us in the flesh on earth. Holy Spirit has come exactly like that to help us in the spirit. What an amazing thought. I've got a dollar here. This dollar is a physical coin. And if I wanted to give that to Josh today, I'd have to see him in the flesh. And I'd have to walk up to him and he'd have to take it. And he does that very quickly. <laughs> Jesus was a helper in the flesh. Transactions could occur only if I was in the vicinity of Jesus. Yes, he could speak a word, but, but by and large, people were changed because they came into the presence of Jesus. And a physical transaction took place. If I want to bless Josh with that coin, I've got to give it to him. He's got to be in my vicinity to grab a hold of that. It's easy to go to someone in the flesh and say, have mercy on me, Jesus. Because I can see him. I can see there's a transaction. But now we've got someone that Jesus has left us and we can't see him. But he's still a helper like Jesus. So what Jesus does in the flesh, Holy Spirit does in the... That's it. No less, no more. The same in a different form. Romans 8, 9 says that Jesus, sorry, Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ and of God. So that means all that God is, all that Jesus was in the flesh, the Holy Spirit is to you in the Spirit. Now, just bear with me as I log on to my Commonwealth Bank app. So I'm going to now go from the flesh to the spirit or the digital world. And if I go into my Commonwealth Bank app, I can press this thing called pay someone. And I press this thing called mobile number. And I look up, I type in Joshua Williams. And it says, please wait. And then it says, pay ID. Joshua James Williams has registered for pay ID. I press OK. I put in $1. I've got to find an account that has money first. Description, gift. I press gift. And now I press pay. And off it goes into the world of the unknown. Have you got it yet, Josh? It's coming. This is called Pay ID. It's arrived. It's arrived. Yay! Now, you know, he could be in Africa. He could be in any place in the world, and he can instantly get the same as if I gave him this in the flesh. Equal value. That is the same as what I gave Josh digitally same value pay id in the spirit it's called ready positioned and yielded identity positioned as a son of god so i'm positioned to receive see without josh's mobile number i can't give to him but when i become a son or daughter of god i am positioned he has my number i am one with christ 
And the only thing then is I have to be yielded to him and he can make deposits in the spirit the same way Jesus made in the flesh. That's how the spirit realm works. One in the natural, see, I'd have to be with Josh to give him a dollar coin, but now he can go anywhere, anywhere in the world, and at any time I can give Joshua one dollar donations at any time. I was going to give that donation to Keith. Where's Keith? But he had a flat phone. He wasn't yielded. He was positioned. I had his number in my phone, but he's not yielded to the spirit. He hasn't kept his phone charged. And I believe it's actually a work of the spirit that you did that today. As a great example that when we don't charge our phone, when we're not yield to the spirit, there can be no donation given. And the truth is, if Jesus was here today physically, it would be an inferior ministry to you than who the Holy Spirit is to you today. He says, I will give you another helper. Say, another helper. Parakletos, helper, helper. What an amazing thought. He'd give us another helper. Another helper. Another helper. Say with me, another helper. Isn't that beautiful? This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Three things he does. If you're taking notes, write this down with me. You ready? This is what the Holy Spirit's doing in the Spirit. Number one, Holy Spirit comes to stand alongside us. Parakletos. Another helper. He never leaves us. We are always to be conscious of his presence. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father... He will give you another helper. New King James says, and he will abide with you forever. There's not a day that will go by that Holy Spirit is not in you and with you. Not a day. David said that I can go to heaven, I go to hell. There's nowhere I can flee from your presence. What an amazing revelation he had even before the Holy Spirit was given. He, He was able to see into the future the reality of living in the Spirit. Verse 17 of John 14 says, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Do you know what that word truth means? It means reality. Holy Spirit makes real to us the person of Jesus and the Father. And He's constantly with you to make that happen. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because their spirit is dead to God. They never, neither see him or know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Isn't that amazing? I will not leave you as an orphan. Orphans have separation anxiety. And that's what the devil did to all of mankind when Adam and Eve fell. The devil, as many of you know, is a, was a covering cherub. His role was to cover that which was close to God's heart. He was to create a hedge or a fence of protection around somebody that's valued and loved. So he was assigned to cover both the Father and those close to the Father's heart. See, Moses talks about that we are hidden under the shadow of his wings. The wings are the covering cherubs. We were, see, the enemy got 
got really ticked off because we, mankind, was created to live in between the covering cherub and the Father's heart. And so when he lost his position, because he wanted what we had, he, he wanted to have that, that place of authority that we had. He was kicked out of heaven, and instead of being a covering cherub, he became one that uncovers, one that causes us to distrust the Father's heart. He was created, I believe, to reassure us that Father was a good God. He was a covering hedge of protection. When he was kicked out of heaven, he now goes to uncover, to cause you and I to feel totally insecure all the time, distrusting the goodness of God. But the Holy Spirit, Romans 8.15 says, we didn't receive a spirit of fear or bondage. And that's what happens. The enemy comes in. He causes us to be afraid. Is God with me? Does God love me? Has he got a great plan for my life? The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of fear. But we've received the spirit of adoption whereby you and I cry out, Abba, Father. He's reassuring us. If we would just spend time with him, he would speak to you and say, Father loves you. Father is with you. Father believes in you. This is the role of Holy Spirit as the advocate. Jesus came to earth to tell mankind about a good father. Yeah? Nobody had heard that God was good, or they heard that God was angry. So Jesus comes, and he comes to reveal to mankind how good God is. That's why he tells a parable of the lost son and the father. What's he doing? He's repainting the picture of the father to a world that's filled with an orphan spirit. Holy Spirit comes in the same way that Jesus comes to reassure us that we have a father that is absolutely committed to us. What an amazing... He, the Holy Spirit comes to us to shed abroad in our heart the love of the Father. Whenever you feel that the Father doesn't love you, you, you have misunderstood Holy Spirit's role. He doesn't come to beat you up, to condemn you. So you heard that scripture, the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So we think that's the role of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, to tell us how unrighteous we are, and then to judge us and beat us up. Yay, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with me. No, no. He comes to convict the sinner of their sin and their need for a saviour. Yeah, that's his role. He woos, he says, Jesus is the answer to your sin and your pain. Then he comes to the newborn believer and he convicts us or reminds us or shows us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's his next work. So he comes to the sinner and says, you need a saviour. He comes to the saint and says, you need to be reminded that you're a son. And then he comes to Satan and says, you're almost done. That's who he convicts. That's where he comes to judge. He comes to judge all the works of the enemy through us. This is who Holy Spirit is. What an amazing thing, hey? Why don't you give the Holy Spirit a great hand? He's one that comes to stand alongside me you know on my baddest darkest days I have to remind myself the Holy Spirit is with me and if when things go wrong I just say somehow it's gonna work itself out because I've got someone in me that is so mighty and powerful he lives in me and he lives in you today he's not a force he's not some abstract you know electricity thing going across the air he's a person his name is Holy Spirit.
He lives in you. And you go, well, that's weird. But remember the coin? You all saw the coin. I can feel that. I can t- it's real. It's tangible. But is it any more real? Does it have any less effect in Joshua's life than when I digitally transferred a dollar? Do they not have the same value? One you can't see. One is, a, is no doubt an act of faith. He has to believe that that dollar sign in his bank is good as the dollar coin in his hand. But we know now by experience that he can take that money to the bank and cash it in. All one dollar's worth. He's in you and he's with you. Number two. Holy Spirit is one that's called to intercede on our behalf. We don't know what to pray. And in fact, many of our prayers are very dangerous. If God gave us all that we desired, sometimes we'd end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anyone feeling weak today, don't know how to pray, don't know what to do. I often feel that way. I don't know how to pray. I don't even know which way to go. It says, because we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit does. The one inside you always knows how to pray. Every prayer he prays is always perfect. And he wants to intercede through you with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart, whose heart? Your heart. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, so, so we quote this last verse, but it's in context to all I've read. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Here's what Holy Spirit does. He wants to pray in me all the plans that he heard when he sat by the side of the Father. That's what he wants to do. That's pretty cool. God planned your life before you were born. Way before you were born. And Holy Spirit sat beside the Father and listened to what Father had in mind for your life. The perfect plan for your life. And as I pray in the Spirit, Holy Spirit aligns my heart with the heart of the Father. And he removes every contrary plan. There's an alignment taking place. Have you ever felt that your life is out of alignment? You're going this way, but it's crunchy and there's, it's hard to push through. As I pray in the Spirit, he is aligning my heart to the heart of the Father. I don't know about you, but the older you get, the less that you want to waste time living, going down decisions that are not in Father's heart. I, I, I'm learning more and more to hold everything loosely. God, if you're not in this, I don't want it. I don't care how pretty it looks with ribbons and bows and how much money comes. I don't want to touch it if you're not in it. I want your plan for my life. He aligns my heart with his heart. And all of a sudden I begin to receive the plans of God. They come like lightning. So quickly, that's the spirit realm. I said to you before that last week that we can receive 
one encounter with the Holy Spirit as a spiritual seed and it can come into our heart and it goes off like a tornado. And in that one moment, that one thought in the Spirit can take us weeks and months and years to unpack. Because God is light and in Him there's no darkness. Light travels, I believe, at 186 miles per second. So I can do this and I'm on the other side of the earth. How amazing. It travels 900,000 times faster than the speed of sound. So that tells you the dimension that the Holy Spirit works in. The Bible says God is light and you're children of the light. So live in the light. So we enter into a dimension that is far superior than an earthly dimension where the Holy Spirit wants to pray through us and lift us into a realm that is way superior than our natural understanding. I want to align my heart with the Father's heart. And he wants to intercede and pray through me, not just in my own head knowledge, but he wants to pray in the Spirit to unlock all that the Father has for me. It is exciting. Give the Lord a hand. Woo! I'm glad someone's excited. More can be accomplished in one minute praying in the Spirit and a hundred years praying in the natural limited reasoning. When I pray in the Spirit, I'm releasing mysteries. I'm going to talk about this a bit more in the next point. But the Holy Spirit is communicating with my spirit, telling me all the things that Father has for me. He's anchoring my soul in reality. I've said this so many times to you. You should be able to paraphrase it. You should be able to do this in your sleep. But it's true. Identity is a spiritual issue. Have you heard me say that? Do you understand what that means? Identity is a spiritual issue. No man, no woman, no TV show, nobody can tell you who you are except Father in heaven. He planned your life. He created your life. And that's why many people are living a false life, an illusion, somebody else's, you know, their father, their mother, whoever, somebody else's created life. You've taken on a persona that's not even you. You think, I'm shy, I'm this, I'm that. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who's living this life for you? That's what in the, who told you? But when we hear the Father's heart for our life, His plan for our life, everything changes. He is the Spirit of truth. He comes from beside the Father to reveal to us reality. So our prayer is, Holy Spirit, as I pray in the Spirit, reveal to me all that doesn't belong, wash it out, bring the Father's plan Put it inside me so I know that I know who I am and what I'm called to do. And he will intercede for us with groanings. It's like we're giving birth to who we truly are. Wow. I don't want to get to heaven. Remember, I've taught you this. The Bible says we'll all go through fire. And that fire is that God removes everything that's false. Because nothing false can exist in heaven. So everything that's not who we are gets burned up in the fire. Not just your works, but who you think you are. And if you're living a lie, my friend, that will be burned up. That's why it says Enoch could walk with God and one day he stepped into heaven because who he was in heaven is who he'd become on earth. We will see him face to face and we will know him and we'll know ourselves. And so Holy Spirit's job is to bring the reality of who we truly are. And he intercedes for us. How amazing. And not only that, just as a side note, Jesus is interceding for us in heaven. We get a two-for-one deal. We get fries with our burger. It's amazing. Holy Spirit is interceding on everything on earth. 
Jesus interceding in heaven. Jesus intercedes to reinforce our position. Holy Spirit is interceding on earth to reinforce our condition. It's called the divine yes and amen. Jesus says, it's a yes. They're a son, they're a daughter. Holy Spirit says, I'll amen that. And I will bring out all that that means on earth. All that you've secured, Jesus in heaven, that your blood bought, I am at work to bring that out in the flesh. Wow! That's a holy harmony. You can't lose if you know that Jesus is before the Father, pleading your case, reminding the Father. Not that the Father's not saying, oh, I'm not sure about this. There's, there's a holy alignment in heaven that, that's singing over your life. Jesus sings um, about the brethren before the Father. These are my brothers and sisters, Father. All of heaven rejoices. They are absolutely assured that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is interceding. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I'll take that and I'll make it a reality on earth. So when you begin to pray in the Spirit, that's what he's doing. He's bringing alignment between heaven and earth, a yes and an amen. The yes, the amen means so be it. So be what the yes has said. He's doing that in your life today. You can't lose. Say thank you, Holy Spirit. Number three. Holy Spirit is the one who is called to strengthen and build us. So he's with us. He prays and intercedes through us. And now he's committed to build us. The mighty language of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons that there's so much contention about the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues is because the devil is threatened by it. Two particular things the devil goes after in church. You ready for what they are? Money and tongues. Money is another subject, but there's a reason. It's one of the greatest spiritual forces on earth. But tongues is another great force that the enemy detests. Praying in the Spirit builds me up. It creates an edifice like a house inside me that holds a capacity to bring the revelation inside of me to the world around me. As I pray in the Spirit, something is being built in me, a capacity to house who I am and who God's called me to be. It's a powerful thing. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a connection between Pentecost and the Tower of Babel. I don't know if I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. Genesis 11, verse 1. Look at this. Genesis 11, 1 says, The whole earth had one language, say one language, and one speech. And it wasn't Hebrew, and it wasn't English. Hebrew hadn't been invented then. And it wasn't English, that's for sure. I don't know what it was, but I have a feeling it was some sort of heavenly language that Adam and Eve communi communicated with the Father, that Noah had communicated to Father, and that somehow there was some form of spiritual language. That's my theory. Don't say Andrew said it's totally... I think that's what it was. And we'll see as we go forward. It was something unique. 
In verse 2, they came to pass as they journeyed from the east. They found a, a plain and they said, okay, we're going to dwell there, verse 3. And they said, we'll make bricks. And they made brick for stone and they made mortar. And they said in verse 4, let us build, let us build, let us build, right? We're talking about the Holy Spirit building. Let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered. This tower was a physical picture of what Satan was building in the spirit realm. They said, let's come up with a plan. Let's come up with the resources. Think about it. A plan, resources, let's build something. In the kingdom of God, God has a plan. The plan's in the spirit. And God has all the resources you need, and they're in the spirit too. It's a law of the universe. There's one of the law of the universe that's called the principle of opposites. If there's a male, there's a... Well done. If there's a Tower of Babel, there's a Pentecost. In the Tower of Babel, the human spirit was the driving force. In the, in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is the driving force. In the Tower of Babel, it's about man's plans, man trying to get resources. In the, in the day of Pentecost, it's about the Holy Spirit's plan and his ability to get resources to us. In both cases, they use language to achieve their purpose. Verse 5, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. And he said, these are one people and they have the same language. Listen to what he says. And this is what they begin to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible. It's an astounding verse. One of the most amazing verses in the Bible. He says, because they all have the same language, they can build anything they want. And there's no limit to what they can do in the natural. Come, let us, the Holy Trinity, go down and confuse their language. God's saying, I better take away this language because with this language, all things are possible. Now turn with me to Zephaniah 3.9. Zephaniah 3.9 says, For then I will restore. To restore means you're not creating. It means you're Restoring something that's already been. Yes? For then I will restore to the people a pure language, that they may all call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Acts 2.1, they were all together in one place and in one accord. Zephaniah is prophesying that it's coming a day where God's going to reunite the people under one language, in one accord, I'm going to restore what man has lost. And when I restore it, it's going to enable them to build in the Spirit a mighty tower up to heaven, and nothing that they want to do shall be impossible for them. Are you getting this? What they knew in Genesis 11, that they had dabbled in, in the wrong spirit, 
out of trying to build themselves up, uh, rebelling against God. Nimrod was behind that. He was a rebellious man, defiant against God. God says, I've got to take these people out. I've got to confuse their language because they have accessed something in the spirit realm. I don't know what the language was, but in that language, unlocked an ability to get resources and to build and build. And God says, nothing that they do shall be impossible. Now he says through the prophet that I'm going to release that language again. I'm going to bring them into one accord, reunite them with my heart. They're going to go back to what was done in the garden and they're going to build and build and build in the spirit and nothing will be impossible. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He begins to speak inside us with the language of the spirit. And as we pray in the spirit, a tower, as it were, begins to build inside us to house the revelation of God, the resources of God. Something powerful is happening as you pray in the spirit. These people knew about it. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, Whoever speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God. So when I'm praying to Holy Spirit, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, everything that doesn't belong in my life. I'm very conscious of the fact that still at the age of 53, I know it's amazing, that there's things that I have accepted about myself, about who I am, that God says, I don't see that. It's called deception. And my prayer is, Lord, I don't want to get to heaven and discover that you had something for me that I didn't know. I was living somebody else's life, not your plan. So he intercedes for me as I pray in the Spirit and he begins to take away things that aren't right. Because when we live a lie, God is, is it's like we tie his hands for the destiny. See, he's waiting for us to believe who we are. So it brings the right things into our life. Does that make sense? Because if you're not living who you are, God can't bring what belongs to you. I'll say that again. If you're not living who you are, God can't bring what belongs to you. Because it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, you'd be a thief. So if I own a car, if I buy a car, the car can be brought to me because I'm the rightful owner. If I try to get somebody else's car... It doesn't belong to me. God is not a thief. He's not a robber. The enemy's a robber. He will match you up with things that don't belong to you because that's his nature. He's a, he's a robber. He's a thief. But God's not like that. He will only match you with what belongs to you. So if you don't have what belongs to you, it's because you're living someone else's life. Is that making sense? So the first thing is to find out who you are before you get what you need. Because if you're holding someone else's stuff, you have no power to keep it so very quickly before we finish how do we respond to the ministry of holy spirit and this is really quick but it's really important because we know what he does but how should i respond second corinthians 13 verse 14 says the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of our heavenly father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us. So Holy Spirit is different to the Father, who is different to the Son. We receive from Jesus by grace. We receive everything the Father has for us through love. And everything the Holy Spirit wants to give to us is via the means of communion and fellowship. 
So with that in mind, three things that we do in response to his ministry, very quickly. Number one, respect his personality. As I said before, he's not a force, he's not, a, he's not even a gift, he's a person. I've prayed to the Holy Spirit in some bizarre ways. I'm sure you haven't done that, but, you know, sometimes I'm bombarding heaven. Holy Spirit! And I listen to myself pray sometimes and I think, that's really weird. You wouldn't talk to someone like that. You keep repeating yourself or yelling and screaming. He's a person. Sometimes I, and it may be just me because I'm a bit quirky, but I'll be saying, Holy Spirit, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, because I'm probably just not even thinking about what I'm saying. And imagine if I spoke to a person like that, John, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. God, talk to him like a person. He wants to fellowship with you. So when you talk to him, imagine in your mind that you're talking to the Spirit of Christ. You're talking to a real person. You can't see him, but remember the coin and P-A-Y-A-I-D, positioned and yielded to him. Even though I can't see him, I know he's in me. And he's as real as Jesus, but just in a different dimension. So talk to him like he's real. Just because he's not in your dimension doesn't lessen the reality of who he is. Are you understanding this? So respect him as a person. He's not a force. Remember I said the other week, it's not something like we, we throw around. It's not something that, you know, cascades across the sky. He's not electricity. He's a person. Now, his effects can be like electricity. We saw that last night. He's a person. And when we get in his presence, we feel electricity. But he's not electricity. To receive his ministry, all the things I said, he's in us, he intercedes through us, he builds us up. To, to receive the ministry of the of Holy Spirit, we have to see Holy Spirit as a person and commune with him and love him and be aware of him. And if you haven't done that, don't beat yourself up and go, oh, just start today, start simple. Just start in the morning saying, good morning, Holy Spirit, I can't see you. I don't know where you are but I know you're inside me, I know you're with me. And even though I can't see you by faith, I acknowledge that you are here and today you're going to walk with me and speak to me. Just start with that. And throughout the day, you may just want to repeat that. I know you're still with me. Thank you for being with me. I'm about to go and do X, Y, Z. Thank you that you're going to empower me and strengthen me. You're giving me revelation. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You're amazing. To say it once. Number two, obey his prompting. So respect his person, obey his prompting. His promptings aren't always immediately obvious as to why he prompted. We learn obedience in preparation for greater things. So sometimes, here's an easy example. You're in church and uh, Holy Spirit whispers inside you, you know, it'd be good if you raised your hands now. It's happened to me, I remember as a young kid. I felt this urge to lift my hand. Like I, I knew Holy Spirit was saying, worship me, go for it. Run around the building, do something. Sing, shout. It's like, no, 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 no. Stop, cool. 
I don't do that. People think I'm silly. Sillier. So we have this war because he's prompting us. So as John said, it could be giving, it could be worship. And so we lift up our hands in obedience and we may not always see the result then. But let me tell you, every time you obey his prompting, we see the outworking in our life. Obey his prompting. Elijah told his servant, go and look for the rain. No, there's no rain. Go back again, seven times. Naaman, go and dip in the river, seven times. Obey the promptings. But I've dipped and there's no change. Go back again. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, even when it doesn't make sense, because Naaman got healed and Elijah found the rain. All because they obeyed Holy Spirit. If he's saying, don't go there, don't go there. If you walk into a room and you sense darkness, get out of the room. If you're in a relationship and you feel the, the, the quenching of the Spirit, the grieving of the Spirit, move yourself out. I, I, went to, I got a job when I was in Bible college, I think it was, or early marriage, I can't remember. But it was in a, a petrol station. And, and I thought it was great because I needed some money. And I'm working away and I felt the quickening of the Holy Spirit because a policeman came in who was, in a, who was disabled and he bought some stuff in the survey that he probably shouldn't have. He shouldn't have. And I felt the grieving of the Spirit. You don't belong in here and you shouldn't be selling people stuff that's crippling their lives. Get out. I needed the money. But I said, Holy Spirit, if I'm grieving you, I'm out of here. And I resigned on the spot. But the thing is, you don't always know why, what, but you have to be obedient and believe. And down the track, Holy Spirit led me into jobs where I got amazing money, just divine opportunities, but they come from moments of obedience to Him. His ministry means that we recognize His person and we obey his prompting. I have grieved the Holy Spirit. He said A and I've picked B. And I tell you what, it's not good. And I've since I've grieved him. And, and, and what he does, he doesn't leave. David prayed to take not your spirit. He doesn't leave, he just takes a back seat. He re goes into the very deep recesses of our spirit and as it were hides there in the darkness until we repent and invite him again to have a lordship of our life. And if we keep repeating the same cycles of disobeying him, he never, never takes, takes off. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't leave you or forsake you, but he will be grieved and he will wait for you to come back. Like the prodigal son to you, come to your senses and say, I've had enough leaving my way. So we obey his prompting. Thirdly, lastly, we depend on his power. How do I respond to his ministry? I respect him, I obey him, and I depend on his power. Remember what I said last week. This is my last point. That Paul prayed, Ephesians 3, that you and I would be filled unto all the fullness of God. Remember one that translated said that you'd be filled to the fullness of God, which is a picture of a cup that goes into an ocean. And the ocean fills the cup, and now the cup is full. And it's been filled by the ocean, but the ocean still has a lot to go. Paul prays that you would be filled unto all the fullness of God. In other words, you take all the ocean and you put it in the cup. One is the cup is full, 
but there's a whole lot left. That's immaturity in the, in the life of the believer. It's called portion living that says, this is all I can believe for. Just enough. Just a small portion. Just a piece of the pie. But God says, I'm going to fill the ocean, take the ocean, I'm going to put it in your cup. And the role of Holy Spirit is to continually take of the vastness of God and shove it inside you. And he'll do that for all of eternity. And guess what? The ocean will never run dry. The galaxies that continue to expand are a picture of the greatness of God, that we will be continually filled for the rest of eternity and still not even begin to scratch the surface of the vastness of God. Get that into your cranium. It's mind-boggling. So we are to be dependent on His power because His power is limitless. And he wants to fill us with his fullness. What does that mean about your finances, your health, your relationships, inventions, creativity? To be filled, to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to take of all the fullness of God and place it inside you, enlarge you. As we respect him and obey his promptings, that causes the enlargement. That increases our capacity. Obedience creates greater capacity. Greater capacity invites Holy Spirit to take more of God and place it inside us. That's how we respond to his ministry. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? Amazing. So lift up your hands with me today and we're going to welcome Holy Spirit. He rests on the person of Jesus. If you've never received Jesus and you're listening on live stream, YouTube, podcast, or here today, Holy Spirit will only rest on the person of Jesus. And if Jesus lives in you, Holy Spirit rests on the person of Jesus. You are filled with him. If you don't know Jesus, ask him today to come into your heart. Receive his salvation. Ask him to cleanse you. Say, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior, the one that paid for my sin. Come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. And the moment you pray that prayer in faith, Jesus will come inside. Holy Spirit will recreate your spirit and then come and live inside you. And you'll have in you the greatest person in all of the planet living inside you, the greater one, the overcoming one. So we surrender now to you, Holy Spirit, to your work. Your ability is profound. You know all things. You have solutions to every problem. You are the creative one, the powerful one. And we just want to say today, thank you for your ministry. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you intercede on our behalf. Thank you that you build us up as we pray in the Spirit. So we just want to honour you, or person. We honour you today. We want to obey every prompting of your Spirit. And where we've disobeyed, we just say that we're sorry. Teach us how to be obedient. That nature of Jesus that was totally obedient, let that grow in our lives. And teach us now to access all the power. Enlarge our capacity to be filled with the Spirit. In Jesus' name, come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Every person here today, I release a new dimension of the power of the Holy Spirit. Be filled, be filled, be filled. Let there come a river of life that flows in and out. Let the presence of the Holy Spirit be so powerful on you today. 
Receive it now. Grab a hold of it. Reach out for it. Say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I want a greater dimension of your work in my life. I want a greater understanding of who you are. It's one thing I've desired. I want to know you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to walk hand in hand with you, in agreement with you. Live out your life through me, I ask in Jesus' name. Show the world the reality of Jesus through my life. Anoint me with the Holy Ghost and power, I pray in Jesus' name. Let healing virtue flow. Let miracles flow. The gifts of the Spirit flow. Let the power of God flow through me, I pray. And I'm hungry for you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this week that as we go out into all the world and work and study and communicate, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you for your presence abiding on us. We thank you for these things. In the mighty name of Jesus.